Hello, Judge Cassianatos. You know, when you hear my voice before the episode, it means something bad happened. In this case, we had a little bit of an audio problem, which would cause, sometimes it makes it sound like Brian is talking right over us or way too close to us. Basically, his audio track is like half a second off the rest of us. Uh, the episode is still good, and I hope you all will still enjoy it, but I do apologize for the awkward-sounding portion of it. With that being said, we have a very special guest on tonight, and I hope you all enjoy the show. <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 131. My name is CJ Schrader and with me as always, my two good co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Prilliman. Ahoy! Ahoy. All right, we have a super duper special guest on today from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> what was that a question? Because I, 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 I was going to say the city and then I couldn't remember the city. Tampa. Tampa? Yeah, nailed it. Tampa. From Tampa, Florida, the one, the only, Justin Turner. Put me on JudgeCast. We have done it. Sweet. <laughs> so, so do we get to start saying, "Put me on, put me on dinner hour." Yes, please hour. come on. We'll come on. We'll all come on. I wish I'm you would. I will, Jess, have, I will but... make that happen. All right. I have supreme authority. I always suspected you might. Yeah. All right. Can we can we do it without breaks? <laughs> without breaks? Without breaks? Oh, uh, then it, no! It's, well, it's, then it's just this episode. Then it's this episode, right? right? Yeah, like. So it's just like we could move it on this episode over to a video format and just be done with it. Like we we did it. Broke the we did it. I mean, I think if I get him to tell me, like if I convince him to let me do the slides again so he makes me presenter, I can probably just mute him. <laughs> and just carry on. So yeah. uh, for those of you that don't know um, what we're talking about, uh, Justin Turner is one of the hosts of something called the Magic Dinner Hour now. Yes. Uh, you want to talk about that for a minute? Sure. I, I thought we did plugs at the end. Well, I'll do plugs in the beginning. We mentioned it. You might as well. <clears throat> sure. Uh, the Magic Dinner Hour is a weekly series uh, done via me- NetMeeting software that is a series of led discussions on various uh, both objective and subjective topics in the judge community. So uh, it's Briggs and I together, along with anybody who wishes to join. They can participate in the chats. Uh, we have video feeds. I get hammered. Uh, we talk about judge stuff. It's like that YouTube series, Wine About It, except about judging. And I'm drinking rum out of a pink cup. <laughs> or they can just play Mario Maker the whole time. Yeah, they can set up a laptop in a kitchen or something and play Mario Maker. Yeah, there's that too. I'm not gonna lie. I oh CJ, I got Mario Maker. Oh okay. Uh, well, we're gonna talk more in depth about that later. Yeah, I'm waiting <laughs> on my Wii to come back from Nintendo so I can have Mario Maker. Yeah, so, your, so your peanut butter we, and Wii. When we start our Patreon eventually and offer <laughs> uh, a pre or post show banter, you'll get to hear us talk about. The ins and outs of Mario Maker. Yeah, uh, maybe Although the Patreon will also give you a Mar- a Judge Cast made Mario Maker level code. Yeah. Well, I got two levels right now, so if any listeners out there do listen, if you email us, I'll send you the codes for the levels. How they're many Bowser's in those levels? They're called Uphill Battle and Bouncy Castle, and there is one Bowser between the two of them. The, it's not the enough uphill, Bowser's. The uphill, <laughs> the uphill battle, the uphill battle level. I I played at CJ's house. I was swearing at him because he's got too many of those fireball piranha. It's plants. not too bad. Those things are the it worst. Was, it was. <laughs> they pop got, out, and you got, jump, and they shoot you with fire. It's miserable. Right, and he puts like he puts like he puts like three hanging down from the ceiling and two coming up from the ground. It's an uphill it's battle. Just, Why don't you just make what? a level that you can beat? I can beat it. I can beat it very consistently. Well, because you made it. No, because Brian's not that good at Mario. Like, oh, wow. If we're honest Whoa. with ourselves. 
Hold on, man. Ooh. I've been I've I've actually gotten pretty far in the hundred Mario challenge on expert. Thank you. You're welcome. Boom. Have you beaten it? I'm uh, working pretty on far. it. Man. Okay, that's all right. Okay. We're... I'm, like, I'm like to like like level twelve or world twelve. We are so many minutes into this episode and we haven't even discussed what the topic is, which I is Mario Maker. Mario, Mario, Mario Maker. Maker. Yeah, this episode well. is about Mario Maker. Yes, I bought a Wii U solely for Mario Maker. It is a re redo of Redux. bad habits. Redux? Is it really pronounced Redux? No. No. A oh. uh, Redix. Redix. <laughs> I think it's, it's a Redix French redo of uh, <laughs> of bad habits of good level ones. Uh, this is a topic we did like three and a half years ago. The good old days. The good old days. So not everybody goes back. While we expect all our dedicated listeners to go back from the very very beginning of our episodes, not necessarily the Sean and the Ricky days, yeah. but from our episodes and start from the and start and go forward, we realize that some people haven't had time to do that yet. yet. Honestly, we don't it. really expect people to do that. Just I do. That's why I haven't done it. Please. You don't listen to the new ones. <laughs> I listen to the ones I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Honesty. Love it. Honesty. That is a good habit of good L ones. Yes, it is. Um, yes. Owning owning your actions. Yes. Yes. For better or worse. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's, uh, let's dive right in. Well, <clears throat> Brian, you had a disclaimer you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So, so before we get into this, so, so this episode is going to take on uh, a, a, a potentially a negative slant because we are talking about bad habits, and uh, I wanna I wanna illustrate that a lot of these habits they they are not solely the domain of level one judges. Uh, a lot of these habits can be from judges of any level, all the way up the chain, uh, as they are more common for newer judges. And overall, eventually you grow, uh, you know, if you do these, you will grow out of them uh, with experience and recognizing, recognizing it. Um, or you might not even have these problems at all. And you just, you just in- intuitively realize that these are not things to do. But we want to highlight this stuff. So if you're a level one, a level two, maybe even a level three that does these kind of things, uh, these, these are things that we want to call attention to. Um, and uh, and you you can uh, uh, work your way out of it by stopping by stopping yes sometimes you need to get a really sassy review from Brian Brillman. <laughs> yes there, there's a there's an awesome uh, uh, mad TV skit where like the woman comes in and Bob Newhart is like a psychologist or a psychiatrist and he's like I charge you know like f- five dollars to fix your problem she's like okay he sits down and she's like what's your problem and she's like well see sometimes I get really scared. <laughs> When when I'm in a, in a in a room with and Bob's advice is stop it and she's like what he's like yeah just just stop it yes he's like really just stop it yeah stop it you are really oh. showing your age with a Bob Newhart reference <laughs> I know. it was a Mad TV <laughs> this episode is, this is where he was the host reference at a story this is a story yeah <laughs> and yeah. then he woke up okay. and it turns out it was all a dream. Yeah, bad, was... bad habits of Brian Prilliman story time. All right. John F. Kennedy was saying he was a Berliner. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on the uh, Jackie Gleason show. Uh, the Jackie Gleason <laughs> program. I'm sorry. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was it was commercials for Howdy Doody. Yeah, right after the Elephant Walk on the Lawrence Welk show. I saw it organs. I know all about it. It was it was uh, on the preview before the talkies. Uh, <laughs> Going to, uh, we saw that uh, after we uh, spent the evening at the speakeasy. God, you're old. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I, I'm excited about this episode because this 
doing this was one of my favorite topics the first time around. At least I recall it being one of my favorite topics in that we get to tell people, hey, here's some things you might not realize are bad and you might be doing them. Uh, I'd be willing to bet that every judge at some point in their judge career does something on the list of things that we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yes. it's it's you, you if you do all of them, you, you might have a problem, but you probably do one or two of them. So just try to fix it where you can. And it, it, it's fine. Uh, who wants to start with some things that, that we, we tend to see with judging habits? Sure, I'll, I will. So uh, one of the first ones we have here is offering too much information when you're taking a call. So this, this obviously this is what would be called outside it assistance at competitive REL, but even at um, regular REL, you, you, you want to strike a balance between coaching the player and playing the game for the player and just letting the players play. So like uh, uh, an example would be explaining how trample works. So, so the guy has attacked with a creature and they get ready to block and they ask, how does trample work? And you explain how trample works. That is that is a, an example where you're not offering too much information. However, an example of offering too much information is before attacks, explaining how trample works to which he can maximize the amount of damage he is doing to his opponent. Yeah. Right. Or telling the opponent the best way to block to minimize said damage. Yeah. Right. right. You block this guy with this one, this one with this one. Yeah. Right. Yes. You're, you're providing strategic information at that point. Yeah. yeah, as as opposed to just helping understand the rules. Yeah. Now, on Whereas, the other end of that, oh, uh, I was just going to say, uh, on the other end of that, <coughs> you also see uh, sometimes to just go the opposite direction, where they yes. will not answer. I've seen this more and more recently. Yeah, that's... not answer, not answer relatively simple questions because they're afraid to give too much information. Right. And, yes. And, and so somebody will ask a question, and they'll just freeze up and not know how to answer it. It's okay yep. to answer a rules question. That it's okay to say yes, this works that way, or no, this does not work that way. And if you don't understand if you should be answering the question or not, ask some clarifying questions like, "What is it you're trying to do?" Uh, yep. And and then go from there with that answer. But you shouldn't be afraid to 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 give them information that they are specifically asking for, as long as you're not telling them how to play the game. Right. That's actually a bad habit that I had as a one and a two. Where uh, when a player asked me something unclear or something that had to do with the game state, you know, I was always given the line of, you know, I cannot give you a ruling based on future actions. I can only rule the game state as it is. Or I would even say something worse, like, I need you to ask me a rules question. You know, can you phrase that in the form of a rules question? Which, as it, that sounds like a great line because that's what you're trying to do. But if the player is trying to ask you a, a roundabout rules question right. and you say, ask me a rules question, they don't know what you mean. Right, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, they're like, I am trying to ask you a rules question. That's why I called you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or you get, or you get the 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 question um, where they ask they ask you a, a question that's kind of on the line, or, or kind of on the line, or you're not really sure where it is, and you have that moment of, uh, uh and you're and you're like the the little hamster's running on the wheel where you're trying to figure out if uh if that counts or not. You know, mm. uh, let's let's. If you need a moment to stall, uh, don't make noises while you do it. No, pick up the card and read it. Pick up the card. Ask, and read yeah, it. ask them how their day is going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But how does trample work? Well, how's your day going? <laughs> well, fine, well, maybe you hopefully you're not doing that on how does trample work. <laughs> <laughs> how does banding work? Oh, oh here's Brian Prillman's email address. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think sometimes the issue with uh, judges kind of not knowing where the line is with too much information is from not being familiar with the REL that they're judging at, and they're thinking that, well, here's how I would answer this regular REL, but I don't know if it's different at competitive REL. Um, and I think that they're trying to avoid one of the, probably the next bad habit I wanted to talk about, which is treating competitive REL as though it is regular REL, or vice versa, which is worse, treating regular REL like it's competitive REL. Uh, if you get into like uh, if you go into your competitive REL tournament and you're you've only ever judged Def if you've only ever judged FNM, then uh, you get to the you get to take these calls and you you get to be a little too uh, as some people would say a little too cowboy with your fixes uh, or soft. Uh, well, yeah, a little, a little too soft with things, not getting penalties where you should. Using the jar. Yeah, using the jar. Uh, or, or vice versa, trying to treat everything as close to competitive REL as possible when it's, when it's FNM. Oh, you have a deck deckless problem. You're missing a card. You presented a 59-card deck. That's a game right. loss. Stuff yeah, like yeah. Also, the, the, to go back to the earlier habit, uh, you know, when someone asks you a question and your response is, "I can't answer that question." Right. What the What the hell are they supposed to do with that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, a, yeah. I can't answer that question. Okay. Yeah. Well, so then they have to play twenty questions <laughs> to figure out what kind of question can you answer. <laughs> is it a person, place, or thing? <laughs> it's an animal, animal, vegetable, or mineral. The closest I'll ever get to that is I will just tell them what you are asking me is a strategy question that tells you how to play the game. I can't answer that question. And, and yeah, I've done that a few. Times. That's different than saying please ask me a rules question because that's what they're trying to do. If you tell them why you can't answer it, they will figure out how to get to the point where they can. Or where right. you can. Yeah, I'll say something similar. Like I, I can't tell you what the optimal play is. Right. I can tell you that what you're trying to do is legal or illegal. Exactly. I think that's a very good way to put that. Um, and even at regular REL, you still don't want to do that. And I, I think people get to, into the habit of treating uh, treating the judge calls themselves differently. We use different policy for them, but you should treat the judge calls more or less the same in regards to how you answer rules questions. Yeah, because yeah. the policy behind what we can and can't answer is the same. Yeah. Um, and, and likewise, also, there are people that go too far at competitive REL and, and try to treat it as though it's it's professional. Uh and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that the professional REL is going to be too applicable to most of the people that this is intended for. So, yeah, I don't want to delve into that too much. <laughs> so uh, one one other little addendum for this is, is not realizing that there are some policies that do apply at both REL's like the MTR. Yes. Or anything, pretty much anything that is cheating. If something will get you disqualified at, at competitive REL, yeah. it will also get you disqualified at regular REL. Yeah. Like, yep. too many times I see, uh, I see a lot with alters where they're like, I won't allow this at my comp events, but I'll allow it at my regular events. I was like, well, why? It's the same policy. Right. The policy is, doesn't change per event. Yeah. I've seen that happen too, where they say, hey, uh, you know, that will get you DQ'd at a PTQ. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that should get you. That should get you deep right. exactly. too. Yeah, you can't roll a dice at a PTQ. Okay, you can't do it here. Right. All right. So let's talk about uh, another one, which is uh, poor opening announcements or complete lack. Uh, what's funny is the poor opening announcements. I would say fall into two camps, and that is either. This is, I feel like how this is how all these categories are going. Um, either you have no opening announcements at all, or you have way too many. Yes. Like, like all of these. It's very much a. It's a Goldilocks. Yeah. Like all of these are yeah. almost Goldilocks. It's, is you got to find your just right. And that's so, why these things take time. 
you got to right. do it and be awkward a couple times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At I, least I, I a couple. Know. Yeah. So, like, the, the crash course of what you should be trying to do with your, your announcements is just give out the bare minimum information you can give out in that specific set of announcements. So, uh, like... If if you're well, back when we had to announce we're using the modified play draw rule, I guess you need to say that at the start. But if you're if you need to say, you know, I don't know where what's available for lunch, you don't need to say that in your opening announcements. You can say that when you get closer to lunch. Uh, the warning about rolling a die at the end of the event, uh, you can say that in the next to last round. You don't need to say that at the very start of the round. Right. Uh, right. The stuff the stuff that you need to make the announcement at the beginning of the round or at the beginning of the event are. Uh, the the very super relevant important things that may have recently changed. For example, mulligans. Uh, if you are doing a mulligans is an example. Uh, the sealed uh, the sealed deck registration procedure. If you were doing a GPT or something along those lines, okay, that would be something that you want to announce at the beginning. You do not necessarily want to expound upon how the drawing extra cards penalty has changed. Yeah, Again. it's unnecessary. That's completely unnecessary. They don't care. Like, right. yeah, they're, they're they just want to start playing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they want to know how many rounds. Yeah, yeah. And and what's the tardiness penalty? What's the tardiness yeah, that policy? That matters. You know, if if uh, if it's if it's competitive and if it's F and M, uh, how do I get my promo? If yeah. they're new, how are we doing a playoff? If they're not, they already know. Right. Right. You know, those are those are the type of things that that, that yeah, they care we, we about. We had the, I had had this come up, and it actually goes to where you're saying even L2s and L3s can do this. It states uh, I was supporting an L2 head judging it for a TCG player, and uh, they in their opening announcements talked about the new Vancouver Mulligan procedure, and they talked about it for two minutes. <laughs> uh, I mean, they they essentially read verbatim the rules text. They talked about you know if you look at your card, uh, you're assumed to be keeping the hand. If you continue to do mulligans after that, it's going to be Why? this penalty. We're going to handle it this way, yeah, exactly. And so, it wasn't to the point where I like stopped him, but you know after he gave it, I'm like, hey, they don't care. Yeah. So here's the <laughs> to deal. To say like, we're using that new mulligan rule, <laughs> if you have questions about it, raise your hand and call a judge. So we're judges. And so we care about the rules. And I think sometimes maybe forget that not everyone is a judge. Right. They don't they don't care. Like they, they don't, don't have the they same just want to play. So let them play. Right. right. It's real nice and neat that you understand how looking at extra cards changed this particular time, but it doesn't it, it, it they don't care. The players don't care. I mean if you if you feel that you absolutely if a particular piece of policy changed drastically, you can say some of you may have heard that DEC changed. Uh what didn't change is if you have a problem call it. Right. <laughs> and I will and I will tell exactly. you what happens. Uh, I, I, a good rule of thumb I give to new judges who are asking about how to temper their announcements or ones that are asking for advice judging their first competitive REL event where they feel like the announcements are much more important. First off, they're not any more important than they are regular REL. Um, but I always say you've got about a 90 second attention window. Yeah. Yep. Uh, fit the most stuff that you need to know that they won't know otherwise in that 90 seconds. Yep. And, and here's a mulligan. The, they can read that. Here's a trick with that too, is you, you've got about 90 seconds. You're going to have other windows later on also. Right. Uh, so, so if it's a sealed ex- event, for example, you're going to have, you've got the player meeting and then you're also going to have round one, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the, the terrible things I see happen is 
Uh, a good way to shorten that window at a sealed event is to tell people to open packs and then expect them to keep listening to you. Ain't happening. Yeah. And, and that is just actually never going to happen. Uh, yep. Once once they start opening anything, you will do not have their attention anymore. Yeah. As a general rule, once they get the packs in their hands, they kind of stop listening. Yeah. Regardless of whether Usually they start opening Usually you have 30 or 90 seconds on, don't open your packs. Yeah. <laughs> For real, no, no, I mean, stop. stop it. I hear it. Stop it. I'm going to count to five. I don't want to hear any more foil crinkling. <laughs> um, so, so this this is kind of one of the things where we talked about with 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 opening announcements. You want to remember that they are there to serve a purpose, and the the purpose is to get the player give the players the absolute critical information that they need, and then get in, get out, so they can start playing. Because that's that's overall that's the ultimate goal, and and getting in and having a lot of opening announcements, uh, kind of works contrary to that. And that's a, an, another thing that we want to talk about is when you start getting focused on the details of what you're doing, and kind of lose perspective of the overall goals. Uh, an example uh, is you know you can't get the clock to start, or you can't figure out how to start the clock, or or something along those lines, and you spend several minutes trying to start the clock and not starting your event. Man, this sounds a lot like a Facebook conversation we had. It does sound a lot like a Facebook conversation we had. But yeah, if you're, if you are, your, your job, your, your, your responsibility is to get the event moving, answer judge calls, that kind of thing. If you are spending a disproportionate amount of time delaying those things by doing something else, then you need to, you need to stop and ask, are you really doing the right thing? You know, in the clock situation, start the round. Just make an announcement. The time is six o'clock. This round will end at sixty at six fifty. You have fifty minutes. Begin, and then you got an hour to figure out yep. clock. Uh, yeah. Another point about announcements is a lot of people want to figure, try to on their own. They can't really figure out what is the pertinent information. What are the things that you need to distill into that ninety seconds? And another good rule of thumb there is you need to distill the things that are that could be different at other tournaments that are not the same for your tournament. The things that are applicable only to your event. Yep. You don't need to go into comp REL policy because that's the same. You do need to go into tardiness because that can be different. You do need to go in how many rounds there are that is because that can be different. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Things that are only relevant to the tournament that you have in front of you are the things you want to get out there, usually in the first 60 seconds, and then the latter 30 is for any reminders you want or you know judges go pick up deck lists or whatever. Yeah, so we could have a whole episode on this, and I think I've been talking about doing one for like three years now. I have an article. You've done some seminars on it. I have done three seminars and an article on it, so I can put a link to that article in the show notes if you're really interested. Okay. Hey, but but keep in mind that humor is not not appropriate appropriate. for your head judge judge announcements. Never, 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 never. Never. It is unprofessional. Uh, yeah, they're not serious for the record. No, well, no. we're not. It's fine within reason as long as it doesn't go on too long, really. Like, yes, or it will become inappropriate. I think that's enough right. On, there was uh, there was. Please cater to your audience. Yeah. Yes. These are magic magic players. You're a magic player. Yeah. Use their maybe. language. <laughs> well, within so Brian, what's what's next up that you want to talk about? Uh, well, so here is uh, so again. Uh, uh, in, in a similar vein, uh, here here is a situation where where you kind of lose sight of what the event goal is. Uh, Cause it uh, like losing losing the forest for the yes. trees. A conversation I had a conversation I had with a, a judge. Um, uh, I'm having a problem with worm. 
okay, what's what's the problem with where it's like, well, I've got the top eight. It just won't let me start the playoffs. And I go, okay, uh, are you, you know, what's what's wrong? And he tells me what the word error is, and I'm like, all right. Um, Draw so, bracket. Well, we we weren't there. I did I did some very quick troubleshooting. Did you try this? No. Or yes. Did you try this? Yes. Okay. Well, you know what the top eight is? Yes. Get them playing, and then you've got an hour to fix the yep. problem. And you and it was immediately like, oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, Keep the event moving. So that's that's yeah. Or uh, another another situation. Um, this was at a uh, a GPT. I got to uh, witness this. It was the beginning of the round, um, and a whole bunch of players. Uh, it was one of the later rounds. There was a bunch of tardiness, and the judge was going over and dealing with the the penalty slips uh, for the tardy players. Meanwhile, there was a a judge call uh, for someone that actually they were they were in a match, and the judge in question uh, continued a first in first out. Mm-hmm. Uh, approach to dealing with the judge calls, which you should be able to to to, to see that those people who are getting the tardiness penalty, they're not going nope. anywhere. Not for ten minutes. Whether you get whether you get right, if you get to it now or thirty seconds from now, or you know, you can just make eye contact with those players and be like, "I'll be over in just a moment," and they see you, see them, and everything's drop by and say, "Hey, and call me at forty. Right. And then you go over, you go over, you deal with the, the, the call that you will have to give a time extension if it takes you too long. Like, so if you're filling out paperwork and stuff like that and it's holding up some other people, you know, well, you're going to, you're going to pay the price in that in, in an extension yeah, that they'll likely take, especially in standard. Right. And those, those players are sitting there and from their perspective, you're not right. doing anything, but ignoring they're them. They're filling out your writing. little slips. Yes. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a, Good, good uh, way to articulate it. The first in, first out thing is a bad habit of inexperienced judges. It's a bad habit of experienced judges. The lack of being able to prioritize tasks. Um, yeah. I've I've had people call me or message me on Facebook because uh, you know RC help because uh, uh, they're at a PPTQ for their first time in a new store and they've got twelve players and they're ready to start, but the store owner doesn't have table numbers. <laughs> So they need to figure out how they need to make table numbers. What's the best way to do that? I'm like, well, you've told people to sit there and make them play. And they're like, oh, right. can I do that without table numbers? Yes. <laughs> Tell them to sit somewhere. This is who you're playing. Go sit and play. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times judges, because they're used to the competitive scene of a Star City Open or a Grand Prix, where everything is very, very regimented. And they might be going used to that as a that player. Going from store also. environment. Right. Going from that to a store environment where it now becomes what things actually need to happen for the tournament to start. Table numbers, no. A clock, no. Uh, match slips, not really. You can get them playing and you have a whole hour to figure out how to get match slips to work. Or you can even tell them to come report the results to you at the scorekeeper station if you can't get the printer to work. I've had all those, you know, oh my god, I can't print pairings. How many people do you have? Fourteen. Okay, well, just yell them. <laughs> I don't have a. I don't have a paper cutter. Do you have <laughs> right. scissors? Do you need a paper cutter? No, it turns out you don't. Oh, scissors are paper cutters yeah. too. <laughs> uh, all right. So, oh, hey, we can invoke McDole's law here. <laughs> Customer service. So, so this is a point. Uh, the the point that we want to talk about <clears throat> is applying customer service 
to one person over the entire yeah, event. Yeah. I think, and I was going to say, I think this one's really important for good L ones. I think I think this one can focus on L ones more than anyone, maybe even L twos, where you you've like got a little bit of experience under your belt. You you start to learn. Hey, I don't have to be a rules giving out robot, right? You know, I I can do more. But maybe you take that too far. I want to create a good experience for yeah, the players. Experience management. I think I think a, a, a prime example of one that's very obvious to get what we mean by this is uh, you have an event that is scheduled to start at seven o'clock. At six fifty-five, a player calls and tells you he's going to be fifteen minutes late. Can you hold the event mm-hmm. for him, mm-hmm. or he's going to be he's going to be uh, twenty minutes late? Let's can you hold the event for him? Okay, and you say yes. Okay, that that is that is an extreme <clears throat> example of applying customer service to one person at the cost of everyone else. But there's other other situations that are more yeah, subtle. Like, example I would have is uh, you know, you got say a ten year old kid in your competitive REL event. This is only his second event. Uh, you know, maybe I don't know, older brother told him to play in it. Um, his deck is wrong. And it's going to be a game loss. Well, some people might want to be like, well, it's a, he's new and he's a 10-year-old kid and blah, blah, blah. But still, like, when you, when you start to pick and choose who gets what in fractions, that, that is basically the definition of, of applying customer service to one person over everyone. Like, good customer service to the event is giving everyone consistent rulings. Yep. And, and fair. or or here here's here's a here's another one that we we actually see on the forums a fair amount. It's like, hey, at F and M, I want to pair the experienced players against each other and the inexperienced players against each other, so that it's it's more fair and more fun for yeah, everyone. Yeah, they all don't get blown out or have a buy. Yeah. Okay. Well, what what actually is that, Justin? What what is that if I do that? Uh, unfair entirely. That's actually tournament fraud. Well, tournament yeah. fraud. That's the word. There you yes. go. Yeah, that that's Not the thing where you call me and I have to call wizards and be sad and fill out paperwork. <laughs> Another good one, and I'll actually uh, throw myself under the bus. Uh, yeah. Oh. Well, Perlman will be well aware because he's the one who threw me under the bus, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as he usually is. Thank God for Perlman. <laughs> but uh, seriously. <laughs> Uh, at the RPTQ this past June, I had a we had a like 33 people, and the the guaranteed prize payout is essentially 2x got at least half a box because of the amount of people and the way the sliding scale worked for the guaranteed prizes from Wizards. So I had a player who went 2-0, who did not need the invite to the Pro Tour because he was qualified based on Pro Player level or whatever. Come and ask me if he can auto concede his next four rounds because it was a six round tournament. Um, so at 33. And have you know have me give his prizes to someone else, and I didn't think that was my call. I went to the TO. TO said, uh, "Yeah, I don't care." And when Prilliman heard about it through other players who were upset, and legitimately so, it, it you know he brought to my attention something I didn't think about is now for the next four rounds we have somebody who you know ground through a PTQ, a PPTQ, won it, and then came to this tournament to play at a high level and you know four different people for rounds three through six are now not going to actually be able to play magic just so this guy could auto scoop without actually having to be there uh and and that wasn't fair to at least the four opponents he was going to have in rounds three through six as well as really the rest of the tournament because now those opponent those people got free wins without actually having to play magic right and uh that was like i made as a level three for four years uh and i would not do again 
because it's it, it, it was a good solid to do for a, a pro player guy. Uh, it didn't seem like a big deal to me at the time, but when you consider that for everyone else it makes their tournament experience worse, it's just not worth it. Yeah, that's a good one, Turner. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was three candor. months ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember. <laughs> bad, bad habits of good L3s. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'll, I'll take the heat. No. Um, something that, that kind of goes with that. So one of the things that I noticed in your story is that you went and asked the TO a question. He told you to do something. Or he told you he didn't care. And so you did something. Yeah. Um, it, it sometimes the TO will tell you or, or suggest doing something. And it's not something that's allowed. Yes. Um, and it's it's easy for players or sorry for judges to sometimes feel like, well, it's what the TO wants to do. It'll be fine. Um, yeah. Would, would this be segue yes. into the next point? Well, I mean, we talked about this on the the plug Magic Dinner Hour last week. Uh, it's a it's a common complaint I deal with of a judge says, hey, these players offered to roll a die, but the TO you know strongly urged me not to disqualify them because one of the players is a regular and spends a lot of money at the store. That's way more common than you think. And I'm sure a lot of you listening have had similar either happen to you or someone you know. Uh, and, and it puts the judge in a really awkward spot. You know, either they uphold the tournament rules, they DQ the guy, and they potentially lose all their future gigs with this TO, or they do it because it's a one-and-done kind of thing, and if someone else hears about it, they get a complaint, and maybe you're subject to certification or some kind of punitive damage because they were, you know, complicit in tournament fraud. It's it's really rough. Yeah, to which we don't really have a great answer. No, the answer I gave on the dinner hour was uh, the one that I've given to TOs that have asked me to do similar things uh, over the years, and that is... Uh, you know, my job, you, you have retained me to run a magic tournament. Uh, I have to run it by the policy documents that exist. If you wish to overrule those, the head judge can do so, but I will not. So you would have to now be the head judge. You'd have to, I'll leave, and then you can do whatever you want, Mr. T.O., because a lot of times the T.O., not, I guess I shouldn't say a lot of times, sometimes the T.O. will try to get you to do it so that there's a buffer, and it looks like you're the judges who made that call. Yeah. And I, I usually try to put it back on the T.O. If you want me to, vi- you know, take our policy and throw it in the trash, you're going to need to be the one to do that. You're going to need the one yep. to assume head judge. You go and you tell the players you're not going to DQ them. You tell them why. I'll leave. And and we had we had a, a situation. This was probably like a year, year and a half ago. I had a conversation with a with a TO who who was very mad at a judge, and and he and the judge parted ways over a DQ. Happens a lot. Um. Uh. They they so the judge was not that he DQ'd a player for a uh, bribe. The judge DQ'd a player for the bribe. The TO when found he found the player complained to the TO. And as a result, the one of the that factored into the the judge not uh, judging there anymore. And I'm talking to the TO, and he's like, "I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair that he, this, the player should be TO, you know uh, uh, disqualified for this action." And I was like, "Well, judge didn't have a rules choice. are the rules. It's in the, it's in the documentation. Rules are the rules." And he's like, "You show me in the rules where okay. it says that." And I was like, "Well, okay, here we go." Uh, in the MTR, in the section There's on three bribery. paragraphs about it. And, it, and and it's like, I read it to him, and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And there was this moment of, that's what I oh, that's what I agreed to when I said I would run magic events. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. That's the rules. Yeah. So you said that that was kind of tying into your next uh, point, Jess. That was it. That was the next point, was that Thanks. it was, uh, it, that, that and, 
where, where whether it's involving the TO or not, just being too lenient with those situations. Um, yeah. Where you go, oh, it's not really that big of a deal, and you don't disqualify somebody because you think that that is a particularly harsh penalty. Yeah, that's there. There is when when I'm talking to an L zero or a, someone that wants to become a level one judge, and I'm evaluating I'm evaluating them. One of the questions I always ask to just see where they are is you you are you are watching a match, and someone offers to scoop in exchange for the FNM promo. Okay, what what do you do? And the the number of times that you get, oh, well, I just tell them that that's that's not yeah, that's pretty common. And then it is it is exceedingly common, and and it's it's not uncommon for judges to pass the L one and not not have that question or not be presented with that scenario or something similar to it to realize that it's a bad thing. Or to thing. understand that that is what the book prescribes, but thinks that extenuating circumstances can mitigate that, which is just actually not the case. When when you... Oh, well, this is the first time. Exactly. He didn't know. Yeah. They, they don't understand the, the finer lines of that. Some of those DQs, it really doesn't matter if you knew it was wrong. Yeah. Uh, this, this is another thing that goes into some other bad habits. Back in the glory days of Florida, um, when we were just getting started... Uh, we talked about how a TO can potentially request you to compromise the tournament integrity. Uh, players also do that, and they do it a lot, especially yeah, the they, more competitive really ones. Uh, because a lot of times for them, unfortunately, it works. Uh, so they'll try it on you, especially if they don't know you. And a, and a newer judge will think that it's better to let the player argue with them for 10 minutes and come to some kind of compromise. It makes it seem more fair. It makes it seem like they're more, you know, involved and engendered to the community. It's actually not the case at all. In the old Florida days, we had a couple grinder players from Florida who were very, very argumentative. They would try to bowl over any judge. <laughs> and one of our requirements uh, to test for L1 <laughs> was that you could go give that player a ruling against them and they didn't appeal it. And you didn't change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I know who yeah, these guys are. <laughs> you know very well know, who they are. I know. I don't we know. talked about them. Today. I know exactly who they are. One of we them, did. Yeah. <laughs> One some of them, them have yes. gone on to great, wonderful things, and 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 don't exhibit those behaviors anymore. But uh, that's just it. You you as a judge coming to a situation, whatever the player tells you, as long as it's the facts of the scenario haven't changed, the way they plead their case shouldn't change what you do. Uh, because the rule, again, the rules are the rules. The, the policy is pretty black and white. The comprehensive rules are re- definitely black and white. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the player asking for a, a pass or asking you to downgrade your warning to a caution, that happens all the way up to the pro tour level where they, they ask for things like that. Oh, yeah. And if you do it thinking you're doing this guy a favor and, you know, you're going to be his friend now and the players are going to like you better because you, you know, you're out for the common man, that's actually not true at all. They're just completely playing a game with you, trying to angle shoot for whatever value they can get, and uh, you shouldn't be a part of it. That's a, that's a terrible habit to get into. On the other hand, um, one of the things we don't want to end up doing is, is going the other direction too far, which is our next bad habit, which is confusing authority with power. Man, all of these um, are just too little and too much. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think yeah. that's kind of a thing yeah. with, with judging in general. Like, There are a lot of things where you have to be moderate about stuff. And yep. uh, many times... The people that stand out. Ah. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Alcohol. <laughs> yeah, uh, learn that one. Stand out in negative ways tend to be too little or too much of something. Usually not too little of the alcohol part. Um, right. But uh, judge was too sober. 
Yeah, I have that problem all the time. <laughs> Reddit. I never thought it could happen to me. Sober <laughs> judge. <laughs> Sober judge. Random player, Florida. <laughs> Uh, so confusing authority with power. And this is something where judges, uh, sometimes new judges or judges who are, are, are their first time at a large event or judges who are team leads or were in some position of uh, authority, try to exercise that authority in in negative ways. Oh, uh, yes. And this is a this is a, a situation where uh, I don't want to call anybody out, but I've definitely seen <coughs> judges. Um, you know, so they, they they hear a concern or they hear a situation, and rather than dealing with it uh, appropriately or explaining something, um, you, you'll hear things like "because I'm the head judge," or we, yep. we had an email. We had an email. My ruling while. is final. My ruling is final. Yeah, we had an email a little while back. Uh, if you guys remember, uh, where where there was a judge who who some of the people asked, "Well, what happens if we do what you just told us not to do?" And he's like, "Well, you won't like the outcome." Uh, right. And, it was because like there wasn't anything backing him. There was no policy for it. So it was it was this awkward situation. And, and so you have to make sure that you're not doing that either. So don't be too lenient with, with those situations. But also don't just, you know, don't just shut everything down. Because, because I, because said, I said, so. said so. Yeah, right. Policy is there. One of the main overarching global goals of the policy documents is behavior modification. We want to disincentivize certain things. But, you know, don't take that to mean that your job is now behavior modification. So if you don't like the way the player is talking, provided it doesn't, you know, get an unsporting conduct, that you can just say, hey, I don't like the way that you're you're communicating with your opponent in your match. You need to be more clear. Uh, and if you don't, you're going to get a penalty. You need to listen to me. I'm head judge. Yeah, there's there's lots of uh, uh, playmat discussions yes. where where a, a, a po- picture of a playmat will be Would posted. Would you allow this? And, would you this allow this? And some of the replies are, you know, I that is absolutely disrespectful. I will tell the player I'll to leave the I'll give them USC major, or, you know, whatever. Or, or even an FNM. Like, I'll give them USC major at an FNM. It's like, it's, it's a playmat. Here, here's how you handle that. Turn it over. Please Christ. turn that over. Right. You know, it, it does not need to be some sort of, some sort of, you know, uh, 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 moral imperative that that person be ejected from the store because they brought disrespect into your house. Brought fear into your dojo. <laughs> brought fear into my dojo. And that that's a that is a bad habit of judges of a lot of levels. That you you take your authority from the judge program and use it as a, a vehicle for you know your social progressive movement or your moral judgments or, or whatever you have, whatever your personal uh, vindications are, and you use it as have to to that. Or 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 no splits. Ah, uh, yeah. Or or no no no, no intentional. Okay, I'm like, yeah, no splits is pretty much the policy anymore nowadays. Right, 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 right. right. I misspoke. I meant ID. Um, yeah, is is like no IDs in the final round. You have to play it out. Well, you know, there's there's nothing in policy that uh that supports that. And if you're doing that, you are you are using power improperly. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's just as it's it's just as bad as coming up and saying "Islands tap for black." Deal with that. I would say it's quite as bad as that, but but it's in the same vein. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. You're you're taking what you're taking a rule and you're intentionally changing it or to something else because you don't because you don't like it. Yeah, and and we do hear that a lot. I, I get that a lot from level ones who are newer. I get that a lot from level ones that are studying for level two. That you know, this guy wasn't playing in the spirit of regular REL. Yeah, I don't even know what so, that means. 
Exactly. It's like saying in the spirit of Commander. You know, he wasn't being (laughs) friendly enough to his opponents. Okay, well, did he do anything illegal? No. Okay. (laughs) Did he cross any USC lines? No. Okay. But he wasn't friendly enough. Like, he wasn't... He didn't help his opponent who was clearly less experienced. Well, where the f*** does it say that you... Sorry. Where the heck does it say dump that? Only when Turner's on. Only when me. Sorry, the cursing. 37.40. Where the heck does it say that you need to be enforcing how much they need to be helping their less experienced opponents. It's still a competitive game. Even a regular REL, it's still somewhere, you know, a game where the winner is going to win. You can't can't just be trying to enforce, you need to help your opponent beat you, and if you don't, uh, well, I don't like you, and I'm not going to rule in your favor because you're mean. All right, let's keep this let's keep this party rolling. So the next one we want to discuss is uh, caring too much or too little. About Here we compens- go about compensation. Yeah, so it's, again, it's going. So, yeah, the point point is uh, that warm so porridge. We had a whole episode about compensation. Actually, <laughs> Turner was on it. Um, yeah. Well, it was about talking to tos, but compensation was a major portion of it. Um, and it's a major you know, one part of the, the complaints and questions. Yeah, one of the big talks is you know. One of the things we push on Judge Cast is you shouldn't work for free. Um, Hell no. Yeah. Don't so do that, it. That's on the too little side, working for free. Nope. You you should always be getting something, even if it's just like free entry to the FNM, um, you know, I don't know, a draft, you know, up, up to packs, booster boxes, whatever, whatever you come to with your cookies and water. Cookies and water. Gross. <laughs> that's what ben used to work for when for that... armada for the longest time huh. as long as he could have all the all of the bags of cookies and waters from the fridge he could eat <laughs> and drink he well, would work their tournaments if that's what he wants um so it was I think caring too little is pretty covered there but then the caring too much is when you're like well i'm not going to work any event unless i can get two boxes from it and a dual land <laughs> or yeah i mean basically basically when you when you are overvaluing your time yeah. i guess I mean, like it's up to it's up to everybody to decide what it's worth. But if you are pricing yourself out and then getting frustrated that no one wants to uh, hire you to do an event because your your price is so steep, uh, that's something that you need to consider as well. Uh, that's less common than caring too little about compensation, yep. though, where you where all you you will work for the promise of possibly getting an attaboy because you think it's not. good for the community. Well, the experienced yes. players can also answer rules questions, buddy. Yes. <clears throat> Working for free for the good of the community, uh, uh, I got to tell you, the, I don't think the community cares no. that much <laughs> that you're working for free. Well, everyone else in the community, it's important to realize that the players, the TO, uh, the state you know, staff, everyone else in the community is doing it for some kind of value that is usually monetary in nature. Players are trying to win prizes that are worth more than their entry fee. The TO, of course, is trying to get all the profit from the entry fees. Uh, so for you to say, hey, I should get nothing other than just the fun of being here. You're the only one <laughs> that thinks that way. Yeah. Right. Players don't enter FNM just because. They, they think that they have the chance to win something. Or else they just play at their kitchen table. That's exactly right. Uh, on the other hand... Um, don't don't insist on you know getting a box for FNM or whatever. Like, it, be reasonable about the amount of compensation that you expect. Yeah, I think uh, the way Prolin put it is exactly the way I was gonna go into if he didn't, and that is it's it's unfair to demand a certain amount and then be mad at the TOs because they won't pay it, or or think that it's you're entitled to it. 
because you're a certified judge and the, because the TO can find that same work cheaper with other certified judges, they need to give you a turn or something like that. Uh, I actually had this exact conversation in uh, the Georgia regional group today of, you know, when you have a new judge who thinks that they deserve X compensation, but the store judge works for X minus whatever compensation, and they think that the TO owes them a shot because they're new and they haven't had the experience, well, that, that doesn't really matter. If they're getting the same service in their minds for less, they don't owe it to you just because you're a new guy. They, they don't have to rotate judges, things like that. you mm-hmm. got to frame your expectations based on what they think they're getting out of a judge. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that you need to go and undercut that. No, that hurts everybody. Like We'd, ra- no race. Right, that hurts everyone. <laughs> right, but what you need to do is you need to say you need to frame it as I am worth this because I bring this, exactly. this, this. You and and that's going to change what this, this, this is is going to change based on your situation. Uh, everyone's so I can't you know we can't necessarily give you a script to use I wish or I could. Like that. I get the question enough that I really wish I could. A script would be great. Having a collaboration with a TO. You know, what yes. does your judge bring to the table? What do you think a judge should bring to the table? Here's what I can do for you. Uh, you know, what is that worth to you? Those kinds of things. You got to find out what the TO is trying to get out of the tournament and what they're trying to get out of the judge at the tournament. Uh, and then see if you can either provide that service better for the same pay or, uh, work out something with a judge where you do some kind of timeshare system. Uh, you don't want to say, hey, I'll do the same work for three less packs, because then that judge will say, okay, well, then now I'll match that. And then you got to go through picks less. It, it doesn't work. We've had those bidding wars, and it just ends up in both judges now working for free. And an- another, another, I'm going to say bad habit, bad judging habit, is when you are in a situation where you are not getting not getting paid or you are not respected or your work is not being valued and you stay because <clears throat> good of the community or something yeah. along those What would those these players do without me? Uh, probably they still would do play what they did before you. Uh, so so if if you you need to look at you, you need to look at what you're bringing to the table. You need to look at uh, uh, the value that you're providing. You need to get a, uh, a fair compensation. And if you are if you are doing it and you feel trapped that there's no one else to to do it, um, yeah, you can you, you can, can stop. Yes, it is. It is still voluntary, regardless if you're being compensated or not. It is still voluntary at will on both sides. Yeah. So don't. So, so I mean, that is that is a. I, I consider that a bad habit is getting into this feeling of that you have to do this thing. You don't. I agree. If, if you're not happy, don't. There's do a it. lot of judges, again, of all levels, that have a really hard time saying no. So if a TO says, "Hey, I'd like you for this GPT. I don't know if it's gonna fire. I can't really give you anything, but you know, it can't fire without you." Okay, because they yeah. think you know, if eight people show up, it's going to be awful for those eight people. If they show up and then the, the TO says, "Well, the judge can't come," so pfft, sorry, that's really not your problem. Uh, it really isn't. Stop thinking it is. You can say no if yep. if somebody's asking you to do something outside of your limits, and you think that it's better for you to you know do your best rather than actually do the thing that they're asking you to do. No, let's uh, <clears throat> let's go ahead and. Try to move on a little bit, though. Um, sorry, we, we've been sitting on this point for a little while. 
That's true. Your, your segues were so good before now. I think I think it's uh, if you want more information on that, we can actually just go back to the last Justin Turner episode where you talked about this at like. Sorry. Um, so let's talk about something else. Turner will talk about at length, which is reviews. Oh yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about it at length though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think the quick the quick point with the reviews is is well, a write them, but b. Sweet. Yeah, but B, don't be afraid to write them of higher level judges. I think I think that one might be more prevalent than the complete lack of well, complete lack of writing them wins. But oh, I don't I don't know enough to I'm too new. I don't know enough to evaluate that judge. Everything everything he did was great. Yep, I learned um, so much. And th- there was I can't think recent, of anything he would do different. There was yeah. a recent blog post. Well, relatively recent blog post uh, on Ricky Hayashi's blog by. Uh, by a judge uh, named Sarah Smith. It was about this topic, about even if you're like, it was uh, her experience with reviews and her first GP. And it was all about like, it's okay to write reviews of higher level judges and your feedback has value to them. Yeah. Yep. And yep. Um, so I will, <clears throat> I, I will make sure we have that in the show notes if you'd like to read it, but it's a, it's a good read about that topic. Thanks. Thanks, Jess, for making sure we'll have that in the show notes. I, Sweet. I, I figured um, I will make sure by make, giving CJ the link to put it by in the show notes. just saying it. Excellent. Have to do. So, so, so here's, a, here's a, an interesting uh, a thing. When we look at – so one of the requirements for making L2 is, is writing uh, – having three mm-hmm. reviews. And uh, one of the things that, that we look at when we, when we look at those reviews, the, the L3s do, is that really impresses us is when you act, when the, the review actually contains legitimate areas of improvement. Yep. Or yeah. honest if, assessments. If you write, those, those kind of things just are, are amazing, are phenomenal if you, can, if you can provide those kind of things. Oh, as an L1, kind of the hell boilerplate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh, sign me right. up for this guy. Um, so that, that's, that is, that is something. So you don't want to, you don't want to just write a review cause you feel like you have to, or, or provide kind of a, a, a generic, they did great. I can't think of anything that they could do better. And eh, maybe, maybe they rambled on too long during their opening <coughs> announcements. Maybe, uh, maybe they spent too long on a particular call, uh, and ended up having to give a lengthy extension. Uh, yeah. You know those kind of those kind of things. Maybe they they spoke poorly about the TO in front of players. Yeah, or you know spoke to the TO in front of players about the TO doing something they didn't agree with. You know those those are all, those are all things that that uh, that can be that can go in a review that you can see and that can happen and uh, yeah. yeah. Those are all I, I give areas. a lot of judges this advice on you know giving truthful upward feedback as we call it. And a lot of times I get the, you know, they're not really willing to come out and say it, but I can tell that the, the issue is there's a fear of repercussion. You know, this guy was my mentor. He helped me serve for one. You know, why would I write him a review saying he did anything bad? I don't want that. I don't want him to, you know, judge me negatively in the future. Well, uh, if you're honest and that judge is, you know, truthfully performing at the level that they're at higher than you, they should be used to getting honest feedback. It happens. If they would accept that feedback from a level three, they should be able to accept that feedback from a level one, as long as it's based in reality. Uh, a lot of times we get the, well, I he might have had a reason for what he did, and I just don't know it because I don't have enough experience. Ask them. You're at that tournament. You see that thing that you don't really understand, and you think that they just have a deeper understanding than you. 
so they had a reason behind it, so you're not willing to write an review. Well, while you're there, ask them, hey, why did you do this? I think you probably could have done this better. Why did you choose the tack that you chose? And that actually gives you way more information to put in that review. Then you can say, if the guy convinced you he had a good reason, you can put that now in the strengths. Hey, I noticed this behavior. I had a talk with him. He really gave me you know, the full background for why he did it. It made a lot of sense. I learned a lot from him. Or he admits that he could have done it better, and then you can put it in the AOI. We had a talk about it. He admitted he could have done better. I gave him this feedback. I hope he you know, thinks about it and applies it in future tournaments. It does nothing but help your review to ask clarifying questions while you have the person there. All right. So we, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, uh, stuff that's that's mostly contained to mm-hmm. events. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna start moving into things that that can happen inside of events, but can also happen uh, outside of events. Maybe in social media, maybe in on the forums, uh, at at you know just at the store as a player, those kind of things. Um, uh, one one of them is we'll just call it as showing off. Yeah. No. Um, right, like it's like I know, I know these cool rule interactions. I know how uh, a chromatic sphere and uh, casting uh, force of will for its alternate cost work. You I know, know how chains of those, those kinds of works. Yes, or it's like, or or a scenario happens in playing. And it's like, oh. That's cool and all, but here's this other really cool combination that's even harder that involves nine cards and that you've never heard of outside of I'm EDH. Brian <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so usually this this is under Do the I... veil of mentoring. Yep. Like, but you really you're just showing off. Basically, if you're mentoring someone and you bring up any question that was in our second layers episode, which was a long time ago, but still, if you bring up any situation that was in that episode, then you're not mentoring them. You're just showing off. <laughs> if you're bringing up Wayward Angel, you're showing off. Hey, that was in my Magic Dinner hour last week. Oh, cool. Were you That's showing off? off then. You shouldn't have mentioned it. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have, but it was in no. a slideshow that it I was stole. In the pre- it was in the yeah. It was in the right. printed slides. He probably didn't. He it probably wasn't even aware. I really was. Until it showed up. Like, like we made that episode <laughs> specifically saying, "Hey, this is the stuff most people don't need to know." Like, no, Wayward was... Angel was an old Florida just don't drink question. I know, and and I've learned right. since then. So have we. Oh, it was it it was it was bad. There was there was a question on on my L three exam that was like, oh, this right here was was like basic L zero question yeah, back yeah. in the day. I I had one too. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I had one also. <laughs> we recalibrated. Uh, so another one uh, I've actually had this happen very recently is is saying so. Like, say you're playing an event and you're like. Uh, your opponent wants to call a judge, and you're like, "Well, we don't need to call a judge. I'm a judge, right?" Oh, well, that's dangerous. Oh, don't do that. That's so that's, dangerous. Yeah, that's really so, bad that's form. Um, because, like, if you're a judge, you should understand that this is between being a judge at an event and being the judge at an event, and you're not the judge. Like, you still need to look up to the head judge, even if even if the head judge is get, getting their rulings wrong left and right. Like, oh well, you're not the head judge of this event, so you don't need to be butting in and and trying to take over. Also, even if it's FNM and the head judge is you, you know, like show the player the rule and the documents, at least if not, call some other person who's good with the rules over to do it so that you have a, you know, a neutral, unbiased party. Because mm-hmm. okay. there's no way you rule against the opponents as their opponents and have that come out good. Doesn't ever happen. Yeah, but uh, yeah. 
ad- additionally, oh, you should listen to me because I'm a judge. And you show up in your I mean it's it's one it's okay to be it's okay to be proud of the fact that you are a judge, but if you're throwing that in people's faces mm-hmm. constantly, then then you're not doing anyone a dis- uh, you're not doing anyone a service nope. there. Uh, that, that's a habit that I had, again, throwing myself under the bus, when I would be playing FNM or a pre-release, and they'd have a question, I'd say, well, I was, I'm a level three, I could, I'll tell you what it does. Um, I never really had it blow up in my face, but I learned over a, a couple months, maybe a year of, now whenever somebody does that, I say, okay, well, let's call the judge. Judge! Yeah. Yep. And, and yep. In fact, this kind of thing was such a prominent problem where I was when I was coming up as a judge in you know, through the levels that when I was when I was working at a store, um, we always had judges that were on staff to run the events. Right. Yep. And um, with, it, we had a store policy that if you were a magic a certified magic judge and you were playing in an event, you weren't allowed to answer any rules calls because if you got it, was, it like that, it's good. It's a good rule to have. Um, well, clearly, not everyone can have this rule. But my point no, we're is, not all channel that, fireball. Yeah, <laughs> not everyone can have this rule. That's fine. But the the point of this, the point I'm making is that the reason we had to do that is because we had this problem so much of the the people going, "Oh, I'm a judge, and let me tell you how it works," all the time, and it got to the point where it was just causing more problems than it was solving. Yeah, um, I, I've it, had to deal with it. You know, a, a judge has given the player some uh, bad ruling or mm-hmm. a ruling against them, even if it was correct. And the player comes to me immediately and is like, hey, you know, my opponent was the judge. He ruled against me. That's not fair. And that's a hard thing for me to defend for you on the back ends. Right, 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 right. So, you know, it, it's it's good to remove all illusions of impropriety if you can. Um, it, it is. It absolutely is. It's important to be able to, to call somebody else over. And, and that way, because uh, I'll tell you what, you know what? It sucks when you get a ruling wrong. It sucks even more when you get a ruling wrong, and you were playing in that match. Yep. Uh, so you just don't even want to go there. You don't even want to take that risk. Um, and it's uh, that, that actually kind of brings me into the next thing, which is to uh, be able to admit when you're wrong. There are a lot of judges that can't do that. Yeah. I, my next place I was going to go is arguing with the head judge, even when they're wrong, when you're a player. Yeah. Yep. You know, when they come in, they give you a ruling and you know it's wrong. Well, they're the head judge. You can talk to them afterwards, but sitting there and saying, I'm a level three, you're a this, or I'm a level two, you're a this, or I, I've been a judge longer than you. I know it's this. Let me call it up on my phone. If you were the head judge, you would not tolerate that behavior from a player. So you should not be doing that to the head judge's tournament. I had this happen at at a weekly regular REL booster draft where the head judge actually made the ruling. You're a level three. You should know better. You don't get your trigger. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, yep, okay. Of course, I talked to him about it afterwards, but causing a scene and arguing with him right there while I've got other matches next to me, that doesn't make him or I look better. Right, right. He's the head judge. You got to trust the system. You know the system, especially if you're the more experienced judge. So, uh, not be uh, not being able to admit or under understand when you're wrong, uh, we we see this we see this on on the forums. Hey, yeah. uh, we we see this on the forums. You see this on Facebook. You see this in in event. And normally, it involves something, some sort of policy, some sort of argument that involves you know, so, well, should shouldn't someone who understands the rules better? Gain an advantage from their superior understanding of the rule, and what'll happen is the the uh, uh, they get very vested in a particular viewpoint to the point that they can't 
accept or internalize other other standpoints uh, or other views or other interpretations of policy. Yeah, this is where you'll get a lot of the I acknowledge the opposing side has merit. However, blah 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 blah. Right. Agree to disagree. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> my interpretation is different than yours. I understand that, and that's okay. Uh, the reality of the situation is, you know, 99% of the time we're dealing with policy, there, there's a right answer. There's an answer that fits better than another one, and, and it shows a lot of personal growth and maturity for you to say, hey, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, I think you're right. And it can, it can, be, it can be even, even small, small things. Uh, there was there was a, a conversation that I I had a long time ago about passing out how best to pass out slips. Okay. Okay. And it and and I and I say this it was just it was just like if you grab two slips at once, you put them you and then you just drop them on the on both sides of the of the the table. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you, you don't have to hand out one and then the other and one and then the other. And the judge was and the judge was like, "Ah, I don't think that's any better. I don't think that's any f- faster." And then they tried it, and then they came up and they were like, "Yes, that was that was much better. That was much faster. I'm going to be doing that from now on." And and that type of thing, based on the conversation, I didn't expect the judge to, to do that. Yeah, and that's sad that you don't uh, expect that. Uh, but it, it turned out, you know, it, it, it was it was a very it was a very good good thing, uh, uh, and that that I would say that that is a good habit, you know, doing 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 uh, uh, acknowledging when you were mistaken. Uh, that's that's how you grow. That's how you improve. Mm-hmm. Is you realize that uh, you might have made a mistake, and you acknowledge it. You own it. Uh, we're very big in the judge program about owning your mistakes. Don't try and deflect. Oh, well, it's not my fault because those type of things. Uh, uh, those all lead to uh, to personal growth. Yeah, and this also happens from a lot of bias that you have based on the way you learned it. So there, there are things that are less definitive policy and more best practices, uh, like Brian's example of how you pass out slips or things like how you do a deck check, how uh, you know, how you do your announcements, all kinds of stuff that don't have firm policy, but there was a way you were taught as you were coming up. Uh, we were talking about this a little in the pre-show banter. The Florida judges originally were taught the head judge does not make rulings. It's important to, when you are presented with an opposing, why not? If it's going to make your tournament run better, why not? You know, what's more important? It's important for you to be able to actually be objective, even with the bias you have of the thing you learned as the right way, quote unquote. You need to be able to frame, well, what is actually right? What's the objective? What are we trying to accomplish? How can we do it better? Okay, do you all have any more of these points that you just really, really want to talk about? Because I want to jump to the final little section we have here. I don't think so. Yeah, no, not Uh, really. I I do... um, I do want to say one thing is is stop worrying so much about leveling up. Is a, a thing I see pretty constantly, consistently with L ones is uh, um, got to get to L two, got to get to L two so I can judge the GPS. Yeah. Or get arrested. Yeah, I'm gonna wait. That's a that fire time. truck. Whatever. Um, yeah, got to get to L two so I can judge the 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 PPTQ head judge of PPTQs. And you go, well, how many PPTQs have you judged at all? Or how many competitive events have you judged at all? And they're like, oh, I haven't judged any. And you're like, uh, then maybe head judging isn't the best role. Uh, right. and, and they're just, 
excited about <laughs> go, jumping up to L2 to get to a, a GP or whatever it is they're trying to get to and uh, not worried about improving as a judge so much as hitting that next level and, and getting the ding, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, one one thing that I want to bring up is that I that I refer to I, I think of it as realize that other judges are doing good things too. Uh, you just don't always see them. Like you do good stuff uh, in the judge program. Uh, there, there's actually jealousy and envy is actually a real thing. Like, no. You know. Oh, it is. Okay. So. You know, hey, he got accepted to to work this PPTQ, and I didn't. Why didn't I? I'm better I than do all him or things. her. I do this, this, this. Okay. Realize it's it's yes. It there are some competitive aspects to to who gets what slots. I mean, there is there, but it's not a it's not necessarily an us versus them or an uh, uh competition in that in that regard. Those judges are doing things also. You just don't see them. You're not. You're just like people don't see everything that you do. You don't see everything that they yep. do. So keep keep in mind that if you get declined for an event, okay, and you look at the list and you're like, oh, why that person and not me? Well, so, sometimes there's a re- the the reason is there's uh, stuff that you didn't see, stuff that you don't have any insight into. You don't know. And also realize is. that the, the TO's decision was never. I think I should take this person over that person. It wasn't, right. you know, I'm Justin Turner and I get declined. It wasn't ever. Oh, well, I'm going to take Brian Prillman instead of Turner. He's better. That's not usually what happens. You know, instead, it's more we we take a a unified approach of internal TO feedback and RC feedback and and. Uh, event history uh, all together and try to put the best staff forward while also achieving program goals. It, it's not an individual thing. But shameless RC plug, so, I mean, if you are getting declined, this is a great thing to talk to your RC about <laughs> because they might be able to shed some light on that for you. Yep. Okay, well, I geez, I feel like if we wanted to, we could, go, we could do two or three episodes on this topic. I feel like... Seems that way. I feel like uh, what we're doing is we're, some of these topics are short and some of these are actually things that we could do whole episodes on. Yes, that's part of the problem. It's like when we did uh, all of, how, what was it, tournament errors in one episode? When like some of them definitely needed their own episode. Yeah. Well, event staffing is certainly its own episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. but I think that's good. I think that's a good amount to, to give out. And I mean, this is technically our second episode on the topic. Um I did want to dive into some news before we wrap this bad boy up because we do have a couple of things to talk about. So uh, let's start with the DEC tweak first. So Toby put out an article, which I will put in the show notes, the very full show notes, (laughs) um, where he was just talking about a minor tweak to drawing extra cards. Now, the good news is his tweak is exactly what we said on the show. Hooray! So basically... Uh, he's just, he's just clarifying that if you're told to do something to a set of cards on the top of your library and you do it to too many of them, you know, we talked about how that's drawing extra cards, you draw an extra card penalty, uh, fixed by choosing, you know, some of the extra ones from that set, ETC. So his clarification is <coughs> some people interpreted that to mean like mill. If you mill eight cards, you're supposed to mill seven. We yep. do the DEC fix to that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that doesn't really make sense. That's that's not something that anything we said actually agrees with. But In fact, what we did say was it only works if you're performing an action to those cards while they're on top of your library. Yes, which is correct. It's a great way to think about it. Now, so we, uh, a we motorcycle. Kinda, 
Did they, did they find you? Oh, it sounded like uh, a helicopter. So, yeah, so I, we kind of nailed that one. So it, it I'm glad makes you guys the, did. Uh, the article a little bit easier. It yeah. makes up for our correction that we had on the last <coughs> episode by just. Don't go back and listen to the correction. Right. Well, if we remember, I edited it out because only the first download oh, right. got to listen to it. Right. <laughs> All right. Okay, so so what you're saying is we have problems admitting Maybe. that we made a mistake? <laughs> That's a All bad right. habit of good podcasts. <laughs> yes. I like it. Okay, so we actually got a new sealed deck procedure at competitive events. That yes. Which should be all competitive events. Does anyone want to tackle this? I can do it. All right. Okay. I'll yeah, I don't think any of us... Have any of us actually been through it yet? I, I have. Uh, okay. I, was I, on, I was on the oh. deck checks team well, in GP Madison, which is <coughs> the first GP. Well, then you're you're more than yeah. qualified. To... Um, it's, it's relatively straightforward. Um, all you really do is uh, you, you have... All the players on one side of the table open up their packs, and the other players watch them open up their packs, and then you expedition verification. Yeah, verify that that what they say is is there is actually there, and then if anything is weird, you call a judge, and then you're not counting the cards at this point. You're not sorting the cards at this point. And this is one of the problems that we had was telling everybody stop sorting these cards. You're just opening them, and this is the look at the cards step. As MTGO would say. Um, so you look at the cards, and then you have the, uh, the player on the other side of the table open their cards, and then you look at them. And then you swap these pools, and you register them, just like you would with normal registration. And then you swap them back, and you register the deck you're playing, and you get to play with the pool you opened that has been verified by the person across from you. Now, to facilitate this in a way that there's no collusion uh, or possibility for collusion, uh, they do now do random seating at limited events for deck construction uh, as opposed to seating alphabetically by name. Um, And this is more or less not relevant except for the deck checks team where we did uh, deck checks. We kept them ordered by table number and just had a master list. The all index uh, method. The index method, which was way better for this situation. Yeah. So, so at a, at a smaller event, say your sealed PPTQ, Mm -hmm. um, you're, Seating the players randomly is really a, almost the same as as, uh, as seating them alphabetically because what's going to happen is you're going to collect the decks in essentially a random order. So you're you're going to be getting the decks uh, randomly as people finish. Or sorry, the deck lists as people finish them. Yeah, you're going to be getting them as a uh, at a random order, and you're going to have to sort them. Uh, so if it's you know if you've got thirty people, well you you got them in random order. You're going to sort them, and there you go. Uh, but yeah, at a GP, you have to use a a, a more clever method because you're not going to be able to alphabetize um, two thousand. Thankfully, lists. we have a more clever method. Yeah, and that's tough. Yes. What is? <laughs> no, no we, we're way too late. No. Um, way so, too late. I'm sorry, did Jess? You actually said who registers the pool, right? Uh, I did. The, okay. the the person across from you will register your pool and hand it back to you, and you will register your own deck. Now, yeah, so, it, does, it does lead to one small problem, and that is the, the issue of missing players. Um, so if there is a player who was registered for your event somehow and isn't there, say you had pre-registration, what do you do with that player who doesn't have somebody across from them? I don't have a judge watching them over the packs. Uh, you could have a judge watching over the packs, uh, but for registration, I probably just do a you do a, do triangle. a triangle. You just pick the, the the group next to them, and you have them rotate one to the right or left as appropriate, and then pass backwards. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So the idea here is that you get to keep the cards you open, 
but while also trying to minimize cheating. Yep. And I think it's a good change. Uh, yep. it, it gets rid of a lot of the players who have traveled to an event having to make that choice of, do I drop with my card that I really wanted and try to play inside events? Or, you know, <clears throat> do I pass and hope for the best, knowing that I was giving away this, you know, value card to me? We no longer have to have that problem. Now, one thing, one other thing that, that wasn't touched on is the TO is supposed to mark the packs in some way. <laughs> So that one of the one of the things that you are verifying uh, the person across from you opening those packs is they are opening packs that were provided I, by I the think TO, and that's not... only for premier events. Nobody said it's only for premier events. Really? Is that for all yeah. events now? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was on the mothership post. Yeah, it was on the big post, which yeah. will be in the show notes. Um, it hasn't gone into the MTR yet, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Who cares uh, about the MTR? Oh yeah, not us. Not us. Man. Bad habits of good Doctor judges. Not caring about the NPR. That's <laughs> one of the first ones we talked about. Like, or at least not realizing it applies in multiple places. So right. cool. Uh, I had one more thing I wanted to add about it, and I'm just buying time until I can remember what that was. Excellent. Get your excellent. Yeah, there was a randomized seating player across from you verifies. Oh, yeah, that's it right there. Um, so when the player across verifies, I wish we didn't even have to answer this question because it seems obvious to me. Oh, oh can they I know drop? where you're going. Can they drop with your <laughs> pool? And the answer is no, they cannot drop with your pool. And this isn't like th- those are your cards now. Like that's that's how we're defining this. And so there, there's there's something in the MTR that says you, you can drop with cards that you correctly have. Yeah, in your possession yeah legally or have. These are not in your possession. You're just registering stuff. them. Thank like, you. They're not your cards. No, you can't drop. Uh, yeah. If, I, it's so corner case, but what if you do? Much like as a judge, to... when you're doing a deck check, you can't drop with the deck's current yes. possession. <laughs> I would like to drop from this event. Yes, Goodbye. Uh, I will turn in my shirts. I will take these decks. Bye. They are legally <laughs> possession of mine. Nine tenths of the law, buddy. Yes. Uh, so, hey, Jess, how did it at the at the GP? This is just a question. How did it work for the players that specifically got <laughs> VIP just so they could have the pre-regged pools? Yeah, that was a concern we talked about uh, in the Florida and Southeast chats. Um, it's uh, it wasn't any different for the players who had the pre-registered pools. She had some complaints because they paid the extra money for a pre-reg strictly because they didn't think they'd have to pass, and now they're feeling like no one has to pass, so they wasted their money. No, I, I don't see... Uh, I, I never heard of any complaints to that effect. Uh, what okay. what most people that I know have said is not that they get the pre-registered pool so that they don't have to pass, but they get the pre-registered pool so they don't have to register one. Yeah, I think okay. that's what you're paying for. And... I, I just... I, I was watching when it was announced on Twitter, uh, and I saw a lot of people speculating that people would be fussy yeah, about that. I didn't hear I, I mean, granted, I wasn't directly working with VIPs for registration, but I didn't hear about anybody complaining the entire weekend. Or sleeping specials or okay, anything that's that. good. Yeah. That's good. That All good. right. Because I didn't really hear anything about it either. Yeah. Okay. If you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. It's all good. It's getting really late, and I've had to wake up early every morning. So God, you keep saying that. Uh, or that was the first time on the air. Okay, there's a difference. All right, whatever. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for Turner. Turner, thank you for being on. Do you have anything additional you want to plug beyond your magic dinner hour, etc? Nope. Okay. We didn't even have you introduce yourself this time. I mean, you're I said Turner. put me on Judge Cast. Yeah, everyone should know what that means. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Regional coordinator, Southeast United States, Justice Order Level 3, yeah. Florida. I think context clues kind of led to that. Right. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you for being on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. My name's Cedar Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep confusing authority. I'm Turner, I keep it lit. It's <laughs> lit. Oh, yeah. Come through. Wow, something told me the call was being recorded. Yeah. That's Pamela. Pamela told you. Thanks, Pam. <laughs> Does she have a sister? Oh, okay. No. Do you want to remember those commercials? Okay. <laughs>